Are you ready to have a more structured, meaningful, and more productive beginning and end to the day with your kids? I was too. So we did a ton of research, a ton of reading, a ton of trial and error, and Ashley and I have come up with a solution to that problem. And we have created the Dream Routine for Kids, an online course to help you solve that very same problem. You and your kids will feel less stressed walking out the door in the morning, and you'll be able to feel more connected at night, all the while making your kids more accountable and giving you a little bit more freedom. So with the Dream Routine for Kids online course, it's a step-by-step guide to creating a less stressful morning and evening with your kids. We give you the step-by-step instructions on how to create those routines and how to implement them. So if you want more information, follow the link in the show notes for the dream routine for kids and act quickly. The price will go up pretty quickly. So to get the good deal, act quickly, head on over. Hey everybody, welcome back to another interview We are interviewing my good friend from Alaska. Her name is Megan Patterson, and I taught with her for one year up there before something ended up happening, and she had to move back down to the lower 48. Uh, You'll have to listen to the episode to see what that thing is. But then that also, that very thing helped her realize why she wanted to do what she is doing now, which was start an outdoor preschool in Colorado. How stinking cool is that? Uh, I joke in the episode that I want to be her when I grow up because I don't know how she does it all. She is a single mom. She owns her own outdoor preschool, is the principal, runs around as teacher most of the time. I just, I don't know how she does it. So she is going to share some of her tips for self-care, the things that she loves to do that keeps her sane when everything seems to be super crazy, especially right now when it is hard to find subs and teachers in this world that we're living in. So I really hope you enjoy this episode. We are going to get deep into her outdoor preschool and what the benefits are of all that for young children. So really hope you enjoy and see you on the flip side. Well, hello, podcast people. We are excited to bring on another one of my very good friends from Alaska, Megan Patterson, and we'll just get started, Megan. So tell us about your educational background story and your Alaska story. And so like, why did you want to get into the education field? Um, I've always been drawn to education. Uh, and it's, it's been a huge passion of mine. Um, when I would play make-believe as a, as a kid, I always had a, a school and I was the teacher. Um, my elementary friends also used to tell me that I used to boss them around. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, and then um, after I graduated college, uh, I went into the Peace Corps and I taught in the country of Jordan um, and really enjoyed my experience over there. And then came back and taught in Colorado for a little while um, and went to a job fair and ended up uh, in Alaska. And they offered me the job on the spot and it was ready for a new adventure. So 
um, decided to go up there. And then while I was teaching in Alaska, I looked at master's programs um, all over and I found one in uh, ecological teaching. And I always wanted to blend my passion for teaching in the classroom with my passion for the outdoors. So this was the perfect master's program. Um, as soon as I got accepted, actually the day I got accepted, I also found out that I was pregnant. Um, so I <laughs> uh, decided to go through with the master's program um, and had my son. And through my master's program and um, being able to stay home with my son while I was getting my master's, um, we were just outside all the time. And I saw how much he thrived in an outdoor environment and how much he learned and how much there was to teach when you were outside. Um, and then I also discovered the forest school movement through my master's and decided to do my master's thesis on forest schools and outdoor-based early childhood. Um, and through that, then knew that this was the type of learning environment I wanted for my son. And um, there weren't any in Colorado, so I decided to start one. I remember that day that we found out you were pregnant. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it was in Alaska. You, what, like, what was probably, what was the hardest, like, going back to Alaska, what was the hardest part? Um, I really enjoyed um, teaching in Alaska. And I think what I really enjoyed is I went from teaching uh, 28 kindergartners, sometimes 30 in here in Colorado, to only having 15 students in Alaska. Um, and even though, if, you know, a lot of the students were very high needs in Alaska, um, I also felt like I could really get to know each one of them. Um, I also loved I, I thought it was, I thought it was beautiful there. Um, I would go for runs out on the ice. People used to come ask me if I was okay. Um, <laughs> and, uh, uh, but the isolation got hard um, being off of the road system and, you know, not really having an opportunity to go out, but it's also, I also felt like I had more time um, and could, even though I was teaching and coaching and probably working 12 hours a day, I also felt like I had that time to relax because there wasn't a whole lot to do outside of that. Whereas, you know, being back down in the lower 48 or even, you know, being in a city like Anchorage, there's just constantly something to do. Um, and so you don't really get that downtime. That makes sense. So how long, you and Ashley must've been in the same village. Yes. I assume. So how long were you, were you in Alaska? Uh, two years. Same two years as me and Matt. Oh, yes. Okay. <laughs> mm -hmm. Otherwise, Becky and Kaisa, the other two we interviewed, they were there longer than both of us. Yeah. I have a, a follow-up question though. You said the four, you were um, an ecological master's teaching program, right? And yes. the forest school movement. So for, for people listening who don't know what that is, can you explain kind of what that, what that looks like? Yeah, so um, the forest school name is kind of broad and there's a variety of different people who inter interpret it in different ways. Um, I also ended up going over to the UK and getting my level three forest school training. And I really like the way that, that they're doing it. So um, it's about using the natural environment for to build those social emotional skills, um, but then also learn how to use tools and how to use the natural environment to make things like furniture and instruments, um, how to build shelters, 
and, um, and then also how to do fire building and how to cook on the fire and leave no trace. So a lot of survival skills also, but with that comes in a big social emotional piece um, that I think is really important, especially for uh, students who are, are twice exceptional and neurodiverse, um, which is where my school is now. Um, it really gives them that opportunity to, to use different skills um, if they might be struggling maybe inside a more traditional classroom. So the idea is that the majority of the time is spent outside um, and that all learning can be done outside no matter what the weather. So one of the common phrases that you hear in the forest school movement is there's no such thing as bad weather, just inappropriate clothing. Um, and so you really build that agility. Um, a lot of those really, those life skills happen by learning outside and learning from mother nature. Um, so a lot of people think that it's just about taking kids out and being out in all weather, but there's so much more to it where you can really bring in engaging lessons in all subjects outside. Um, so I know here in the US, a lot of schools are moving more towards like an outdoor-based preschool model where you really are bringing in those subjects in an outdoor setting. Um, whereas the, the forest school model really focuses on more of those social emotional and those life skills. Um, and then also that tool building and that fire building as well. And it started off as just a primarily for early childhood. It started off in Scandinavia. And it actually started um, because they didn't have enough space and their, their early childhood uh, programs were too full. So they started just taking kids outside and realized how beneficial it was. And so ever since then, they, you know, they've, they have the most outdoor-based preschool or forest school um, programs. But the UK, um, they're really taking off all over the UK. And then they've expanded it to go all the way through elementary school um, as well. I love it. You're, you're just so awesome. <laughs> I know it's like rolling through my head. Like, do we have any of these anywhere near us? There's, um, there is some in the cities. We looked into it. There's not any like near us, but there, there is some in Minnesota. Nothing is near us. Well, I know that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So right now you're preschool through sixth grade, right? Yes. Yep. yep. I'm kind of interested in how how your transition works. You know, when you know a kid's going to be transitioning from your school to, I'd assume there isn't a high school version. So they're going to be moving to more what we consider traditional. Is there kind of a transition thing that you guys do or, or do the kids kind of transition naturally? Since we haven't gotten there, I don't, I can't say with high school, I can say with when we just had the preschool. So um, what's in, in the US, there are quite a few, the four school movement is taking off with preschools. Um, so four schools and outdoor based preschools are really taking off in the US. But there's only two states as of right now that have a licensure. Um, which one is Colorado, we are the only licensed outdoor based preschool in Colorado. Um, so I helped pilot that program. And then Washington State. Um, so all of the other ones are not licensed and each state is different. Um, so a lot of them can operate with an exemption, but then they can't tap into any government assistance programs um, or for preschool or um, 
and they have to remain small and they can only operate for sometimes their hours are restricted. So I think that licensure is really important as this movement continues to grow. Um, and so what we, what we have seen is students leave our preschool and kindergarten and go into either kindergarten or first grade. And the feedback that I've gotten from parents is when they go in for that initial interview with the school, they ask them where their child went to preschool or kindergarten because their social emotional development is so much higher than any other student in that class. And that's, if you look at the research, that's really what the foundation is then needs to be up until about age seven. Um, a lot of the Scandinavian countries don't um, really push academics until age seven when they go through that big developmental shift because then their brain is, is ready for that. And a lot of research is showing that even if a child is more academically advanced at a younger age, um, by third grade, they either, um, they start to slip. And those kids who had more of a play-based preschool and kindergarten experience and really focused on that social emotional and um, how to regulate themselves, that executive functioning, a lot of those life skills, they end up surpassing them by third or fourth grade academically. Mm -hmm. So important. I, we're seeing such terrible effects from what um, like distance learning has done yeah. right now and like the social emotional aspect of it and how our kids are not, our kids are not doing well in school because, and I'm not talking about academic based, I'm talking about social emotional based. And so that is so, so important. Yes, and especially at those those younger grades, and I feel like with the push for academics, um, being young and younger and younger, it's really important, especially now um, with the mental health crisis as well, that we really focus on that social, emotional, and that mental health piece, um, as opposed to academics. And you know, those academics will come, and we have seen that. So we get that question a lot with our elementary school now: is what about academics? Um, and we, so we do progress monitoring and benchmarking and a lot of our students came in below grade level and finished out the year well above grade level when with, if all of, in all of our programs, all the way through sixth grade, we always put that social emotional first. Mm -hmm. And when they have that, those academics are naturally going to come. Mm -hmm. And it's well, not that's what safe. we know. If someone doesn't feel safe or, or loved or, you know, all of these basic needs, learning isn't going to happen. And I think we know that on a conceptual level, but what I'm hearing you talking about really brings that home, like that social emotional piece has to be there in order for learning to happen maybe easier. Yes. A little bit more effortlessly. Mm -hmm. And I think we push that and, and feel like we need, I, I taught kindergarten for years and it's like you get pushback from admin from the state from parents like there's no time for play there's no time for free play there's no time for a second recess like and of course what you're saying is there is all of this research saying that's incredibly harmful yes well and uh that play isn't taken seriously also yeah. that there's Absolutely. so much there's so much that happens in play um both learning and, you know, academic learning and social emotional development. Um, and so I think it's really important that we get away from looking at play as like a break from learning when it's not. 
Um, Mm -hmm. And when you can bring things in that are done in playful ways, you can bring in those learning experiences done in playful ways, then they actually retain that information better. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. When there's that context. You're making me feel better about um, just letting the kids play after school with each other and not sitting down and doing like academic homework with them and stuff. (laughs) Yes. Well, that's the other research is especially at the elementary level, all the research shows that homework is not beneficial at the elementary level. Mm -hmm. So you talk about social emotional well-being, that's, you know, um, and obviously then self-care is a part of that. So how maybe do you bring or how do you get the parents involved? Well, that has been hard, especially with the elementary school since we started it um, in the middle of COVID. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, so last year, you know, we didn't bring parents in as much as I would have liked. Um, I originally started it, I started it seven years ago as a child and caregiver class. And so parents were there every day and really involved. And then they were like, we learned so much from you about conflict resolution and, you know, new ways of reframing things for our kids and setting, you know, reasonable expectations for them. And so that's how um, it started. And I really liked that aspect of it really being a community and parents being involved. Um, But now that we've moved over to a more drop-off preschool and with the elementary school, uh, I'm still trying to find ways. I really, it's. I think it's really important to to have that community and to bring parents in, which is something that I really appreciated in Alaska. Um, you know, the parents were were there a lot, and the school was kind of the center of of the village. And so, whenever anything happened, it was where everybody would go. Um, and I really liked that community piece. So I really wanted to bring that into World Mind when I started it. Um, I definitely have the past two years, we haven't been able to do as much as I would have liked, but um, we send out daily updates to families about what we did that day. I try and send out articles. I started a book club, Um, just, you know, any way that we can to try and get that information out. Um, And then, and then also just having parents come out and see what we do so that they can really see that impact as much as possible, which I would love to bring back. Hopefully we can bring back, um, you know, at some point um, when things are a little bit safer. I think I just put this in our stories today, actually. Um, and how it just seems like, I think that there's been because of COVID there's so much more depression and anxiety going on with adults. And so that is like kind of trickling down into their families and their kids and, So it's kind of like leading to even more withdrawal from like their kids' education. And so then we're like really noticing that in the schools too. And so I think that's super cool that you are still like working hard on getting the parents involved and, oh, it's so hard at the high school level. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Um, Well, that's that social emotional piece too. I mean, even going through high school, um, I've had several parents ask us if we'll go through high school because I mean, especially in high school, I'd say like it all switches over to, to academics. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's where I know that's where we are really struggling right now is we have this program that we've implemented, but it's not great. (laughs) And what they're trying to teach is great. um, But how they're like delivering it is not. And so the kids are not like connecting to it and in everything. And 
so it's just kind of sad because I'm like, this is really great information, but it's not helping because they're just not connecting with it. But the social emotional piece for sure in high school and even just trying to get teacher, some teachers on board with that too, because it's like a lot of them are like, I signed up to be a teacher. I should be teaching the subject. And that is all that I do. And it's just evolved from so much more than that, even in just the last couple of years. But I think, you know, that was the importance of that social emotional piece, I think was very evident when we taught in Alaska um, as well, and mm-hmm. how important that was mm-hmm. all the way through high school. And it was nice in Alaska to see, you know, the kindergarten all the way up through high school was all, you know, in one hallway. <laughs> um, and And coaching, I got to... I taught second grade and then was able to coach middle school and high school. So I got to know a lot of those students as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like it's so important then that we lose sight of that in the middle school and high school ages um, and even play. I mean, people, adults need play um, and kind of reframing play and what, and what exactly it looks like, um, but how important it is for just humans in general. You know, cause right. I hear yeah. Even moms like, what? I don't have time for this. I don't have time for that. And it's like, well, if you don't have time for it, you should probably start looking at your schedule and seeing what you can get rid of and looking at your people and seeing who you can ask for help from. Because I know like, there's no way I would have made it through Alaska if I didn't have you girls there and my husband. But <laughs> yes. like yeah. you were our big rock for I think you were our Bible study leader and or you mentioned it like you had met, brought it up one day and then we started doing Bible study and then you were always the one who was pushing us to go on runs with you and I was like behind you like oh my god make it slow down <laughs> but like I wouldn't have gotten outside and done stuff outside if it wasn't for you. So like even back then in Alaska, and I know you did all that stuff before Alaska too, but I mean like this outdoor thing has been you always. (laughs) Yes. Well, and there's so much research on the benefits of being, you know, just taking a walk in the park. Um, And that's also why I started World Mind in the City is because it doesn't have to be, you don't have to think, you know, I think a lot of the pictures of the forest school model, if you look them up, they're all in like these beautiful wooded areas with the stream. And it doesn't have to be that you can still get the benefits of being outdoors, even just at a, a city park, which is where we operate most of our classes. Um, so even, and the research shows that even just taking, you know, a 20 to 30 minute walk, um, just outside in a park near your house, you can still get all of those benefits. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, one school that I was at, um, before this one, I would bring my kids outside. And one day I got yelled at for it because we weren't in the classroom learning. And I was like, what, (laughs) what? And the school that I'm at now, especially when it starts getting nice out, all I have to do is make a phone call to the office and be like, Hey, we're going to walk down to the river today. And they're like, Mm -hmm. okay, have fun. Mm -hmm. So I think that's really important too, is, um, being at a school where they kind of, they accept that kind of stuff. Even if you're in the brick and mortar all day long, like getting outside is very important. (laughs) Yes. All right. How about outside of school how do you make time for yourself 
how do you give yourself self-care? Cause you are a single mom with a third grader now, right? Am I right? Yes. Yep. Okay. I'm like, like I said, with our, with your grade levels, I'm like each time he keeps getting older, but I don't remember which grade he's in. <laughs> um, so single mom with a third grader trying to balance all the things, principal slash superintendent of your school, like taking over for teachers when they're out and just the crazy busy life that you have. How do you make time for self-care? Um, <laughs> I think uh, it's been a journey. Um, so I'm very passionate about what I do and I can get, uh, you know, just very into, into what I'm doing. Um, I think my son Aiden has helped me with that because he definitely lets me know when I've been working too much. One time uh, when he was three, he poured water on my computer. Um, and I was like, and I couldn't get mad at it. Like I was... <laughs> I was working too much and he is always good at letting me know now that he is nine, he can verbally tell me when I am working too much and ask me to like put my phone away or put my computer away. Um, and so I think he's been a, a big part in helping me find that balance. Um, but there have been times when, uh, you know, I can work 15 hours a day. Um, and when COVID first hit, we shut down for three months um, and we did some remote learning, but it, you know, everything just stopped. And I think that was a good pause for me um, to kind of realize how much I was working and how much I was just kind of caught in a cycle of working and taking care of my son and not really doing anything um, outside of that, not going on runs as much as I used to, um, not going on hikes and doing the things that I really enjoy. Um, so uh, that part of COVID, I think, was good for me to kind of take that pause. And now coming out of it, even though the school continues to grow, making sure that I find that time um, to that time for myself. And, uh, you know, just started dating somebody last year after, you know, being a single mother for, for so long and not even wanting to go down that path. I think that has helped as well. And I know you love your runs. <laughs> I do. <laughs> what else do you do besides runs? any kind of like um, meditation, gratitude, any of that fun stuff, journaling. Uh, just trying to be outside. So I like to, I'm, I love to travel and hike and camp. Um, I take my son, he's already been up two 14ers here in Colorado, which are the 14,000 foot peaks here in Colorado. Um, although when he was two, I carried him. So I don't know if that would count. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, he was high-fiving everybody at the top sure does count because you had to carry him yes right. <laughs> it counts uh, twice for you yeah yes um but yeah we've traveled he's um you know I've taken him to Scotland he's been to Iceland um so I love to travel around the world as well and uh I want to give him that experience so I'm interested to learn and we don't need to put this in the podcast episode if you don't want but um I'm interested in so in your master's pro well okay so you're you have a degree in is it early childhood or elementary or no or what so did each each state is different too so actually in Colorado oh, you're right in Colorado you have to have your degree in something else and then you can get your teaching license so my bachelor's oh, okay. degree is in communication 
Okay. And then I did the, the teaching program through CU and got my teaching license. Um, okay. But it's okay. not a full degree. Yeah. So my degree is in communication. And then my okay. master's is in ecological teaching. So, I mean, that must be helpful, though, to have that communication background. So yeah. what I'm interested yep. in learning about in the ecological um, master's degree, with social emotional skills being so vital in the forest school movement and in your school, what kind of training did they have in that ecological teaching master's program for you to feel comfortable and, and, and well knowledge, or is that all, you know, self-taught? Most of that was self-taught, um, both being a parent and then also seeing that, um, that need in, once I started the, once I started the school. So, um, I just started to do, I also wanted to, uh, you know, I read all of the books on the developmental milestone. Like (laughs) I just, I just love learning and love, you know, especially human development. Um, I also observe, like, I love just observing kids. And, and then when I start to see patterns and things, I'm like, oh, this is really interesting. I'm going to go do some more research on it. And that's Mm -hmm. kind of how world mind has evolved. Also, it was, you know, at first it was just getting kids and parents outside, um, and using that science background, that ecology background, and just teaching about, you know, biology and ecology when we're outside, to really understanding more about that social emotional piece and human development. And as a parent, you know, doing more like gentle parenting um, and Mm -hmm. just reframing the way that I, you know, am talking to my son um, and the way that we do consequences as opposed to punishments. Um, And so just through that and being a parent. And when we did the child and caregiver class, I had a lot of uh, families thank me. They're like, thank you for showing us like another way to be able to, to talk to our, our kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, it's just kind of evolved. And then now that we're in the elementary school last year, I realized that most of our students, including my son, after I had him tested and now learning about myself, that we are twice exceptional. Um, and that the majority of our students are also twice exceptional and that there really are no schools that can really meet their needs. They're often labeled, especially if they have a behavior component to that, they're functioning at such a high intellectual level. Mm-hmm. Um, so all gifted kids have asynchronous development. They're functioning at a super high intellectual level. Um, but then you have to remember that they're only eight. And if they're twice right. exceptional, uh, if they're twice exceptional, a lot of times um, their social emotional development and their executive functioning is even below that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so and you it is hard to remember get. that. Yes. Yeah. Because they're so intelligent and you can have these yeah. amazing like intellectual conversations with them. Um, but then, and then the next moment they're throwing a tantrum and it's yes. like, what the heck? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, um, yeah. They're only seven. Right. <laughs> So it's kind of evolved into, uh, World Mind has evolved into being a school for uh, kids who are twice exceptional as well. Um, And I think that outdoor component really helps them and really helps Mm -hmm. with bring down some of those, that anxiety that they feel and as well as some of those extreme um, behaviors. It continues to just evolve as I observe uh, students and and what they need. And then I love learning. So I'm just constantly doing um, as much research as I can. How, how did you say you got tested for that? Like, where did you go? What did you, what kind of tests did you have to take? 
Um, yeah, so they're uh, neuropsych. Um, so I had my son tested. Um, so he had a neuropsych evaluation. And um, I just remember because I grew up, um, what I was diagnosed with growing up was dyslexia, but always felt that I just never belonged anywhere. Um, and they didn't really have any, they didn't know what twice exceptional was at that point. And then when I was tested, when I went to see you, um, I remember that test and I remember her coming back and saying, uh, you don't have dyslexia because you were super high in these areas, like well above, you know, you're gifted in these areas, but there were so many inconsistencies in your test scores that you will qualify for services, but we don't, we don't have a label for you. Like you just have inconsistencies and you're super high here. And I'm like, okay. So I, I actually, when I went to my son, after my son was evaluated, looking at his test scores, like I started crying. I was like, this was me. Like, this was my exact, I remember that college test score. I was like, this was my exact like breakdown also. So my son and I are gifted in logic and spatial reasoning, but then our working memory is really low. And if you think about the way school is structured, like working memory is what you need mostly in school and it just takes longer for like him, for us to process information. Mm-hmm. Um, but having that gifted piece, you know, we can take in all that information. We just need a little bit of time to like sit with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then having ADHD on top of that, um, you're constantly, you know, I think there's this misunderstanding about what ADHD is um, and that it's a lack of being able to concentrate. It's actually that you're taking in everything that you're seeing. So when you're in a room, you're, you notice everything that's going on. And so it's being, it's concentrating on everything and not being able to, unless you're in that hyper-focus mode, you can't concentrate on just one thing. If you'd really love to support our show, there are two ways to do that. One is to follow the link in the show notes and uh, support us through Patreon. By becoming a patron of our show, you're helping support our art. And in the future, we hope to be able to add some um, bonus content only for the the patrons of, of the show. So go check out our Patreon. The other way to support our show is by reviewing and liking and subscribing to our podcast. So you can do that wherever you are listening, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google, or Amazon Podcasts, on iHeartRadio, or through our hosting website, which is where we kind of live, which is on Podbean. And so all of those are places where you can go rate and review our show. The more ratings, the more reviews, the more our show shows up in searches for future people to find. So we're so grateful for your support. Until next week, I'm grateful for you. And I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful rest of your day. So for our listeners, can you define what twice exceptional means? Yes. Um, so it means that, um, it's for people who are gifted or highly gifted in one or more areas. Um, and then they also have neurodiversity, um, which can include dyslexia, ADHD, autism, uh, Tourette's, um, anxiety. Um, there's a few that I'm missing. Uh, dysgraphia. Um, so you have some type of learning difference. 
um, that that makes more traditional learning environments um, hard. Um, and then mm -hmm. sometimes when you have that ADHD piece and that autism piece, then it's hard to control those emotions as well. And that social emotional piece is really important. And it is something to consider as we move up because we give, you know, we, we want, it's very much a partnership with our teachers and our students. Um, but we also do have to bring in some of those more traditional societal expectations and norms for when they do leave our program. So it is definitely a balance that I'm still trying to figure out. Um, and I'm still working on it, but I do, I am dedicated to figuring out where that balance is. Um, because we also struggle, we bring in outside resources for like uh, our PE class. We also bring in like music and theater and our students are used to be treated kind of more like equals and having those conversations. They still have expectations. They still have consequences, but it's very much a, a partnership with their teacher, whereas most of society doesn't operate that way. So when we bring in these outside resources, they really struggle and don't want to participate um, because they're, you know, they feel like they're, they're being controlled which is kind of the way that we're taught to treat kids um, as opposed to treating them like full humans and having those conversations where, and with that, you can still have high expectations and you can still have consequences. Like if we don't meet this expectation, this is just the natural consequence, but it doesn't have to be this punishment, this rewards and punishment system that we have in the school system. It can be, you know, very much about like, you know, just in life, like, Hey, if I don't, get my oil changed in my car, my car doesn't work. Um, and so if you just have those, those more natural consequences, like, Hey, if we don't get through this right now, or we don't meet this expectation that I have, then we can't do this. And, um, it's just the natural progression of life as opposed to it being this like harsh punishment throughout all of COVID, that's what everybody's had to do. Like things are constantly changing. And I think that's the world that we're, you know, we're gonna continue into um, being, have, having to persevere. And a lot of that comes with being out in all weather, you know, sometimes it's really cold and we're still outside. Yeah. Or sometimes like a big storm will come in out of nowhere and so we have to constantly, you know, we have to be agile and change and shift. And so I think mother nature naturally kind of brings in those important life lessons as well um, in just being outside and having to adapt and change um, according to the circumstances that are there. And those skills are going to be so much more important than, you know, knowledge, like knowledge is basically at their fingertips at this point in a phone. Um, whereas these life skills are not being able to be agile, being able to, to persevere through hard times. Um, those are things that need to be taught at a young age and continue to be taught uh, as they, as they grow and even through high school. We just well, like, well, that's what we're seeing right now is they don't have those skills in the traditional school setting, unfortunately. And a lot of adults don't have those skills. <laughs> so unfortunately, there's a very large population that are like super struggling right now because they never were given those skills to learn or um, grow and, and adapt and, and change as things change as well. So yes, I can't wait until your 
students like transition into a normal high school and you get to hear all the good things. And when I say normal high school, I don't mean normal. I mean, brick and mortar. <laughs> you know what I meant. Yes. Um, yeah. Transition because you're planning on going to eighth grade. And so then they'll have to transition. Um, and so I'm excited to hear all the good things that the high school teachers have to tell you about the students transitioning out of your school. And I'm excited to hear like what your, what they, how they're doing after school, after their, whatever they decide to do after high school, whether it's go get a job, go to college, go to a tech college or a community college, whatever it is, and just like see how successful they are having your school setting in their life. I think it's going to be like, you haven't even like seen the fruits of your labor yet. <laughs> like, yeah. cause you're so, you're so young in, in your school. Like you're just, your school is so new still. Like when did, when did you get uh, licensed? Was it last year? Well, I can't even COVID brain. But uh, the so was- preschool, we started the pilot program three years ago, but we just got our license our permanent license this year and then the elementary school I just started last year so yeah like you're just you're in the thick of it right now and you haven't even seen all the super cool stuff that can like come out of it yet so I'm just excited for you to see all that yeah like I I love it when my kids come back and tell me what they're doing like that just like makes my day (laughs) yes when we've had a couple of our students who left last year after fifth grade, um, and they still come back, they're in middle school now, and they've come back this year several times to visit. Um, so I, I'm excited to see that too. And uh, one of my inspirations was a book that I read um, about a fifth grade teacher who did um, Project Citizen uh, one year. And so they basically picked a, a project out in their community that they wanted to do. And it happened to be their school building, which was falling apart. It was in Caprini Green in Chicago. Um, and so basically like when it would rain, the bathroom would flood, the water would come in. Um, and so they didn't even want to use the bathroom. So their project that they chose was to try and get a new building. And that's all they worked on all year. Um, and he, the teacher just kept, you know, a daily daily notes and diary about his experience. And he very much set up the classroom as a democracy and noticed that some students were a little bit quieter and not participating as much. And he worried if they were gaining anything out of it. And he just kept, you know, a whole testament um, of the year. And it was amazing. Even those quieter students, when they would speak up, they were, you know, they've they were fully participating, even though that they, it didn't appear that they were. And I happened to have the third edition. So they had gone back and interviewed the kids who are now in high school. And they said that they probably wouldn't still be in high school had it not been for that year. Wow. So it just takes one year um, to really inspire kids and to see, to help them see what they're fully capable of um, to help them continue to be successful no matter where they go. Oh, I love it. Well, we could talk to you all night because you are one of the most interesting human beings in my life. (laughs) Every time I talk to you, I'm like, oh my gosh, she's so cool. I want to be her when I'm older. (laughs) I just want to ask you for a list of books to read. Yes, I have lots of them. Um, (laughs) What is your, what are you reading right now? uh what am I I have I always have multiple books that I'm reading um 
Same. The Art of Gathering. Um, that one was amazing. And I just finished The Four Tendencies, which was also great. Mm. Um, and that one hey. is kind of about the, the, the science behind motivation and how we're all motivated in different ways. Um, is that one by Gretchen Rubin? Yes, it is. Yeah. 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 Um, but then uh, one that I have all of my teachers read is um, It's Okay Not to Share. And she has two books. Um, Heather, I forget her last name. But It's Okay Not to Share and It's Okay to Go Up the Slide are two amazing books. Um, it was funny. It was everything that I was doing. And then one of my good friends was like, you know, there's a book. I was like, really? <laughs> That's great. <laughs> then I have to create it myself. Um, so, <laughs> um, I just have the, I just have all my teachers read that. Um, and so again, it's about that reframing. So like sharing, you know, which is a common thing in our society to force, especially young kids to share. Um, it's just reframing that. Whereas like, I would never go up to a friend and just take something from them and expect them to give it to me. It's reframing that of like, oh, you can't go and take that from that person, nor is it required that, that you have to give it to them just because they want it, but you can ask to have it when they're done. And that really empowers this, the, the child who has it to be like, oh, I am in control and I can keep this because I'm still using it. Mm-hmm. And then uh, our preschool teachers remind them. So when they see that they're done with it, they're like, oh, remember so-and-so wanted it. And they're like, oh yeah. And they get so excited to go and bring it over to them mm-hmm. um, because it's bringing that control back to them. Mm-hmm. And so you're still teaching those, those same skills as, as what we all want for our kids and why I can see forced sharing came about um, because you, you want your child to, to be, you know, empathetic and to, you know, and to share with people. Um, Mm -hmm. But we're kind of doing the opposite by forcing them to do that. What are you grateful for in this season of your life? Uh, I think I'm grateful for a lot. Um, I'm grateful for the struggles that I have gone through. Um, to get to where I am and the, and the struggles that, that still happen on a, on a day-to-day basis. But I feel like they make me stronger and they help clear a path for me on what I kind of want for my life, what I want for the school and also what I want for my son. Um, I am grateful that I am able to give my son this amazing school that really meets his needs where I quickly recognize that a more traditional setting would would not be beneficial for him. Mm-hmm. Um, and I am extremely grateful for um, my friends who, you know, um, I got COVID um, over Chris. I woke up Christmas morning with it. Um, and just for my amazing friends and support system that I have that have helped me get through those hard times. Like, um, you know, I was stuck in my house by myself um, for 10 days and <laughs> our good friend, Becky, um, you know, was kind of my rock through that. Um, and, uh, and every time I get down and don't think I can continue with the school, some, you know, one of the parents will come up to me or one, one of the students the other day, he was like, did you mean to make such a cool school? <laughs> and so it's, <laughs> I think it's just the little things like that, that, that keep me going, um, and make me very thankful for, for my life. Uh, what is a daily routine or maybe part of, uh, of a routine that you're really proud of? Each day is different. Um, my son and I come home and whether we just pick up dinner and then come home and have it together or whether we make something together at home. Um, I really enjoy that time of just sitting with him kind of at the end of the day and just being together and being present with each other. 
Well, thank you so much for all your time. And I know you are super duper busy. (laughs) (laughs) So we really appreciate it. And we hope our listeners got a lot out of this one too. Some good stuff here. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you. We want to thank you guys so much for taking the time out of your day to listen to us chat about healthy family living. We would love to hear your thoughts or any ideas you have for future episodes. So feel free to message us at the teacher mamas podcast at gmail.com or the teacher mamas podcast on Instagram. It would also mean so much to us if you would leave a quick rating or review on whatever platform you're listening from. If something really stood out to you today, Don't forget to share it with someone else in your life that might need to hear it too. Spread the word. Please don't forget to share with your online community and tag us. For more positivity and inspiration on how we navigate life and the things we do on a daily basis to stay sane in the crazy, don't forget to go follow each of us on Instagram. Check the show notes for our handles. 